This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Well, uh, I am so excited to be sitting here with my friend, Andrew Mitchell. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, sir. Great to be with you. It's, uh, I think, the first time that we've had you that we're on, that you're on the Courage Cast. You came in when we did our Faithful Wellness podcast, you and Jill. Do you remember you did yes. that, that computer? I do remember. And the special hand uh, scanning, the scanning equipment that read various things within our system. Exactly. Logically, we'd just come off a long flight. Uh huh. And it read the fact that. In fact, the, the the oils that it's that it suggested we should take were exactly what were recommended if you've just had a long flight. It's an right. amazing piece of kit, actually. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So uh, you and Jill were on our podcast with Chrissy and I, our Faithful Wellness podcast, and we go way back to. 2005 uh, to 2006 yeah, time we'd, period. We'd, we'd all just become adults. That's I, right. I say that loosely, but <laughs> <laughs> we're still kids. We're still working on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're God's kids. But um, we met uh, because, well, why don't you tell a little bit about how we met? And uh, a little bit of your background. Obviously, you have a different accent than most of the people that have come on our podcast. Yes. Um, well, Jill and I are from Edinburgh mm-hmm. in Scotland. And um, around about uh, when I was about 22, 23, I'd really wanted to go and be a lawyer. So I was due to start law school uh, one autumn. And God had really been speaking to me about going into worship ministry uh, and worship songwriting, which was challenging for me because uh, I didn't sing and I didn't write songs. And I I played a little bit of piano, but only marginally. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't really want to give my dreams up particularly. I I wanted to know God's calling for my life, Mm -hmm. but I was convinced it would be to do with law or politics. That was really what I was passionate about. Um, and when I prayed and I gave myself over to him, I'd been a Christian since I was 10. Mm-hmm. So I'd walked with the Lord, you know, a while by that stage. Um, I was kind of shocked when he said, well, actually, I want you to go into worship writing and worship ministry. But it was it was so emphatic. And I I just knew that I had to say yes to him about that. How was it? How did you sense? I mean, tell me a little bit about the, the actual... The process, feelings, yeah. or um, uh, thoughts, or people that sp- words that were spoken to you. Uh, was it th- a, a bunch of those things? All of those things? Well, or? I was working in London, and mm-hmm. I was staying at my aunt's house just outside London, and um, I'd been working in London for about eighteen months or so, and uh, I had this unsettledness in my spirit, like there's there's something more. Um, I grew up in a fairly strict. Uh, well, not strict, really, but just traditional. Let's yeah. say a very traditional kind of Presbyterian environment. Um, and uh, never really heard anyone talking or ministering to us about callings mm-hmm. and God's destiny for our lives as children growing up. Um, but um, It was more like, here's was, what you do. Here's the truth. Here's, yeah. here's the, the b- biblical story. And, yes, and it was fairly, very practical. fairly formulaic, mm-hmm. shall we say. Mm-hmm. Good, good bits of it. Don't get me wrong. There were some wonderful, godly mothers and fathers in the faith who did soul things in, but it was a fairly rural parish. Right. 
a small community. It wasn't hugely dynamic, but there was always what I would call a remnant of God there, just a few people who were fired up for the things of God. And they were the sorts of people that were really good with us kids and would have us pray with them and they'd pray over us and we would do things together, go on a missions trip and things. And I felt, you know, my early 20s, this, this real longing about, well, what is my destiny? Mm. Um, I actually... Um, felt that instinctively in my spirit there's something specific that God has made me for Mm -hmm. and I need to know what that is I Mm -hmm. want to find out what that is Um, so as I was working in London I started to take time out with him to pray so I'd get back to my aunt's house where I was lodging every night and just start to pray Father what is your calling for my life Mm -hmm. Uh, I have this passion for law or for political life Um, is there something that you would like me to go into in that realm? And I, I really wanted to be a lawyer. And I had all my grades from, you know, schooling and things. And, and, I, and I had my university position to do that. And I was just kind of wrestling with it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and God said, over a period of about three months, because I took three months out to pray and to wait on God, I'd walk and pray. I would I would have times of singing where I would I always find that with worship, you know, we press into God's presence even more. Um and it just shifts those blockages in our spiritual ears, mm-hmm. if you like, and mm-hmm. we can hear him more clearly. I fasted. Um, I do really like food, so to be honest, I didn't fast that much, but I, <laughs> I, I fasted a you bit. did a little bit. And over the three months, all I kept hearing from the Holy Spirit was, I want you to go into worship writing and worship ministry. And he said very clearly, it's going to be a ministry that has a global reach and a global impact, which actually was really scary for me because I thought, well, I, I don't sing and I don't write songs, so how's that? Mm-hmm. It didn't make any sense to me. And I really wrestled with God about this. Um, and it was tough because all the time, you know, I had this position at law school ready to go. And that's in Britain. Uh, that's a fairly big deal. That's that's one of the kind of top two degree courses you can do. And it takes a lot of A grades to get in. And I'd worked for those and I had those. And, you know, it, it had been a, I'd poured myself into that. And letting go of that was proving to be really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. But it came to the point where the Lord really challenged me and he said, you can't pick and choose the areas of your life that I have sovereignty over. Mm. It's all or nothing, you Mm -hmm. know. Otherwise, you're kind of just dabbling your toes in the shallow waters of what kingdom life with me is really going to be like. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very all-in person. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, it's got to be his way and not my way. So I went through this kind of slightly, it's a slightly grieving period of letting go of law, kind of letting go of a human dream. Was there some pressure from your family to do that too? Well, definitely my family were very relieved when I got my place at law school mm. because they knew that, oh, that's him set for life, <laughs> which is a huge assumption in that, you know, but sure. nonetheless, I think that's understandable. And here I am now letting go of it and going into a total faith calling. Um of which my family had no experience, no context or anything. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, God was also asking me to pioneer something. Yeah. Um, so um, I'd said, I said to the Lord, all right, Lord, after those three months of praying and really pressing into him, it, it was so abundantly clear this is what he wanted. I said, all right, Lord, this was in, in, in the May of that year. Um, I'd started to pray in the February, uh, February time. I said, okay, Lord, you'll, you'll have to be my musical tutor. I mean, where else am I going to go? Right. You know, 
So I, I, I spent some money buying some equipment to set up a kind of writing studio. I was still, and I was in our family home, which fortunately had enough space for all of that. And uh, my, my parents were gracious about that. And I just started to write and pray and go on prayer walks. And, and I'd, I'd always, I'd written poetry for years, mm-hmm. but I just hadn't written songs. But I suppose lyrics are, you know, lyrics a are form, a, po- of poetry, form sure. of poetry. So it was quite a natural transition there. And I would just start walking and pressing into God and getting themes for songs and writing out of where I was in God, things he was saying to me. And honestly, the songs just started to pour in from no, you know, they just poured in. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'd always, I'd always written arrangements and things, but it was a, in a hobbyist's kind of way. Mm-hmm. So I always had synthesizers and sequencers and keyboards and things growing up through my teens. But I just did that because it was part of how I would express my heart of worship for God. Right. So I guess he was now then tapping into all of that, which I'd never really thought about. But I'd been doing that for 10 years, actually, Mm -hmm. since I was about 10 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents had always bought me musical equipment and keep. But I just I'd never really made the link. Mm -hmm. And then when he sort of released me into it, it was like that seedbed of of, of, of of sort of training, if you like, mm-hmm. all started to rise sure. up. Yep. And I started, I, I can do this. I mean, I, I need him. I mm-hmm. can't do it without him. Right. But I can see how he's using this. Mm-hmm. And within about three months, I started to get concert requests, which mm-hmm. was just bizarre to me. This is in Scotland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would go around churches doing that and word spread and we'd have really rich times of worship. My heart was... I always want to direct this to God. I don't need this. To, I don't want this to be about me. I, I want us to begin with worship, to finish in worship. I might sing a few ministry songs and amongst that solo tell things. Tell a story. But, or yeah, tell a story. But testimony. I, we need to worship God, get into his presence. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, um, I got my first um, album deal on, a, on an independent label in 2000 and, 2001 released that and now I'm going to cut a long story short and say what followed then was a second album deal uh, with uh, with uh, a company in the UK and then my third album deal with Kingsway yeah which for me well the first was album deal. was what it was called Worlds Collide. Worlds Collide. And Is that was, one I know? Do no, I know I that think, one? I don't think I've ever shared anything with you from that. From that. Um, yeah. What about it, the second one? I was quite fortunate with Worlds Collide. It, it, it got produced by a guy called Chris Eaton. Oh, who's a well that's how known, you met him. Sure. You know, CCM writer oh, and he producer. He wrote uh, the big song, Breath of Heaven. Yeah, he wrote Breath of Heaven. Mm-hmm. He wrote, you know, Hats on one of Amy Grant's mm-hmm. albums. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he's written for Point Hats. of Grace for loads of people. Yeah. And he was a lovely guy. Yeah. Um, Had a Nashville connection. Yes. He's here a lot. British mm-hmm. guy, but in Nashville. Um, Brits love, uh, Brits are well loved here in Nashville. Well, that's You nice get to extra know favor if you have an accent here. <laughs> well we love your accents yeah. that's the thing yeah. um so it's mutual yeah. um but uh yeah that was a great experience because i met chris in in nashville yeah he loved my work which was how did real... you get to nashville i'd been at this christian artist conference in uh, estes park in colorado oh so you uh, heard about this and you went to estes park this is what God um, said to do. How did you hear about Estes Park? I was literally sitting in Scotland one day, and I'd been writing, and I'd been doing concerts, and blah, blah, blah. A Canadian guy who'd got, uh, who was doing a, a divinity degree at the time had got 
you know, quite friendly uh, with us mm-hmm. and some of our family. And he said, look, there's this Christian conference in Colorado. I really believe God's saying you're to go. And mm-hmm. I thought, there's no way I'm going That's to America. Crazy. I've never been to America. Right. Uh, this this was 98. And I thought, there's, you know, there's no chance. And then literally within days, I found myself looking for flights. And, and I booked it. I just knew in my spirit I had to go. Mm. But me being me, I didn't go for maybe the reasons that some people would go to those things. I ended up going just with a heart to connect with people, maybe minister a word in season into their <laughs> lives. Like some so, pe- most people go to get, get something for yeah, themselves. Yeah. So you really truly went because you wanted to give. Yeah. And I went because I wanted to step into the things of God and connect, mm-hmm. and connect with his heart mm-hmm. and what he was asking of me at that time. Because I had no concept of what that conference was about or anything. Right. Spent, a, I guess, a week there. Um, knew nobody. Knew nobody. Met some some really nice folks who I became friends with who happened to live in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And they said, why don't you come back to Nashville yeah. and stay for a bit and uh, and just get to know the ropes, mm-hmm. you know, get to know your way about a bit. So I did and then and ended up staying for two months. This was when? 98? Like late 98. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it was on that trip I met Chris. Mm. And then Chris said, when, I, when, when he got back to the UK, he said, I'd really like to produce you. You know what's interesting is Chris Eaton was there the night that Chrissy and I met. You're kidding. He was at the Worldwide Message Tribe concert. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that WWMT that, yeah, <laughs> that I was hosting. I was the international person, really? and uh, we were hosting them. They were on our label. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was this was June eighteenth, nineteen ninety six. That's the night Chrissy came with her friend because she was an intern at our at Reunion Records, yeah. and I was working at Warner Alliance, and our lives came together. And I remember distinctly that Chris Eaton was there. I didn't know that. In the room, schmoozing and yeah. hobnobbing with people. <laughs> you know, everybody was like, oh, it's Chris Eaton. Yeah. He's here. He's yeah. here. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So it's interesting that our lives That's, were sort of yeah, interspersed there. Inter- yeah, interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. That's that's fascinating. Anyway. Because yeah. the Worldwide Message Tribe were a good UK. They were dancing, kind of. Jumping uh, in the house yeah, of yeah, God. Jump, yeah, up, yeah. jump, 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 jump. And listening to that as a kid, I thought that was great. Um, well, anyway, I came back to the UK, did some... Pre, uh, production stuff with Chris. It was all very indie rock, but with a kingdom message. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then and then uh, in 2000, I remember sitting in the kitchen just as it turned into the new year, and the Holy Spirit said to me very clearly, "Get ready for your first album." Mm-hmm. I was in the kitchen at my mother's house. I nearly wept because mm. I was like, "I'm I'm not ready for that, Lord. Yeah. I'm, I I don't want to do that yet." Mm-hmm. But anyway, God keeps doing that to me. So I thought, okay, I've got to give in. So ab- about a year later, I'd, I'd written enough strong material. I felt to record it. It was called Worlds Collide. Chris came and produced it, which was great. And he was involved in that and a lot of great arrangements and things. Then I toured that for about 18 months. um, And it went very, very well. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, for me, it was just then a case of, okay, um, the only thing that I would change a bit is that I'm sort of moving from CCM stuff into worship mm-hmm. you know full which bl- worship wasn't big then no there was no, no. like movement no well no. shout to the lord had just kind of shout to the lord really pioneered the worship people like graham kendrick obviously yeah, yeah. had been incredible king's way just just thank you so music stuff mm-hmm. thank you music mm-hmm. and things um and we knew all of that in the uk but yeah it was it was burgeoning shall mm-hmm. we say mm-hmm. um so 
I then uh, I then started to write full blown worship songs, which which got picked up by a record company um, called Authentic Records, yeah, um, which are a great bunch of guys, and um, I got my first publishing deal, and all of that right. stuff happened, and then I was touring that a lot. And Jill and I uh, were traveling a lot and ministering a lot. Well, then you met Jill in in that time between the between first the album and albums. the second one. Yeah. So you met Jill, who uh, was it's the love of my life, the love of your life, who's one of my favorite people. I, every time I see her, I just want to hug her and squeeze her and then <laughs> giggle. She's amazing. Um, she's amazing, but yet she's also a very, very carries a lot of of God's authority in in her. She she also is a lawyer, ironically enough, mm-hmm. right? She's she went she to law school. She went through law school, yeah. so she did it all. Yeah, and then started uh, with a company in Edinburgh, and then she started to feel a real calling to leave and go into kind of full time kingdom work with so, you. Yeah together Mm -hmm. so it was we very much have always done things together we move and as and operate as one we have a great oneness in god you do and uh she's very gracious to you she she's amazingly understanding (laughs) (laughs) i've changed a lot Uh, (laughs) because of jill yes and me too i needed to (laughs) oh my gosh because it's like i was saying to someone this morning you, you you marry and suddenly it's like having a massive mirror i know in front of you and you just look at yourself and go Oh dear. <laughs> I really need to deal with some of those lumpy bits. Yeah. That's good though. Chrissy didn't really share that with me. It was very interesting because I didn't really see my mirror. I was traveling a lot when yeah. I first got married and yeah. I didn't really see my lumpy bits, as you say, yeah. until I came home and I started working from home. Yeah. Then we saw each other all the time. And that's when it shows up. It is. And because we've always worked together, mm-hmm. I didn't get the little hiatus that yeah. you'd had. Yeah. <laughs> it was it just day one, longer. bang. <laughs> oh my goodness. I seem to be a little bit too much like my father. <laughs> that's my earthly dad yeah. I'm talking about. That. Yeah. Anyway, but all those bits have to go, don't they? Yeah. And it's good. It's, it's an amazing process. Yeah. I, I wanted to say one more thing that I relate to you on, which is very interesting. It's like God has put a lot of lawyers in my life. Yeah. To minister to me, to speak to me. Um, The first person that shared the gospel with me is now a big time lawyer in Houston, Texas. He's a tort lawyer, which means he does a lot of the the speaking at, at uh, in court cases, argues yeah. the court cases. Can you imagine how disappointing it is when you're halfway through law school and you realize that tort is spelt with an O, not an A, and you thought you were about to deal with tarts and eat lots of pie, but actually you're dealing with torts. And yeah. it's, just, <laughs> it's, a, it's disastrously disappointing. sad. It's very sad. As a foodie, it, it is sad. I, so, think, I think for you, though, if I could say, Eric, though, you're, you're a very bright person, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, God often puts people who um, you need bright people to speak into you when you Mm -hmm. have an active intellect and Mm -hmm. an active mind and you do and that's a great thing and it's a god-given gift and Mm -hmm. i think so there's no so there's no coincidence that you know and i think that's very gracious when god does that Mm -hmm. and 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 you can trust that because you're somebody that naturally separates wheat from chaff Mm -hmm. quite quickly Mm -hmm. as we say in the UK, you know, you don't suffer fools gladly. <laughs> and that's a good thing. You know, you you need, you take in good solid stuff because you give out good solid stuff. Mm. So, mm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, so, so, so you and Jill then set out on a journey together yeah. to, in oneness, uh, after the second album. We did. Which was called Your Kingdom Come? It was. Yeah. yeah. And Alan Shacklock produced that. Yeah. He was a very 
kind of well-known mainstream producer mm -hmm. who had a, an interesting array of artists under his belt from Meatloaf to The Who. The Alarm. The Alarm. and uh, 68 and then, Guns was his big record. <laughs> was it? Yeah, that, that was a song that, that spoke to me when I was really? in high school. Goodness me. The Alarm, yeah. That's so great. And then he, then he became a Christian. Yep. He was in a, an amazing production meeting one year with Meatloaf's people. <laughs> and they were basically saying to him, look, we're going to give you a million dollars to produce this album. So we're basically saying to you, it's a million dollars to you or Jesus. What's it going to be? <laughs> and Alan said, well, I'll take Jesus. Thank That's you very amazing. much. And he stepped away from it, which you've got to admire. Mm -hmm. You know, that is pretty tremendous. Yeah. So he'd, he'd, he'd had a, a really meaningful uh, coming to Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, it started to produce Christian artists like Phil Kage and yeah. Graham Kendrick. And then my my album got picked up by the guy in london that signed the eurythmics it's amazing bizarrely right so i used to travel up and down to london to meet with them and their team and he connected me from london to nashville with alan shacklock hmm. so alan then came into life and again being very relationally driven which is how God has always taught Jill and I to be. We want to sow into people's lives relationally. We're not consumers. You know, we want to give mm. and pour into people. Um, when Alan and I first spoke on the phone, you know, we, we hardly talked about music. We mm. just talked about God mm. and the things that God had done in his life and mm. our lives. And we ended up praying together. And I remember just kneeling, weeping whilst we were praying on the phone because it was such a God moment, mm. you know. So we came over to Nashville for two months and did Your Kingdom Come. And that's when we met. And that's when we met the mm -hmm. wonderful Nordoff family. Yeah, your life has never been the same. Thankfully. Yeah. Because, I mean, really, and I can say this uh, without condition, you know, you're, you're, you're two of the most precious people in our lives. Mm. And the, the only thing that could improve things currently would be if we lived next door. That's right. <laughs> we'll pray uh, for that. Those neighbors to move. Yeah, yeah, get them. So, um, and, the, and watching the kids grow and being able, and we really feel like they're part of our lives and mm. we're part of theirs and we treasure them. And you it's have, been, yeah. It's been amazing and continues to be. Yeah. We always have such fun and deep times too. But yeah, that, that's when we met. We, We were at a, a little dinner, weren't we, with some British folk, mm -hmm. and you you were there uh, in Nashville, and we just connected. Mm -hmm. I think, to be honest, Eric, I always saw you very much as a bigger brother. Mm. Not, you know, and that's not a physical You're age thing. You're saying bigger, like... Um muscular you know or fat <laughs> is, is stronger being subtle faster <laughs> higher but you know to me you you've always you always seemed to, I, i would think to be honest to the folks listening as well mm. i would say i had a lot more lumpy bits in me at the time than you mm. did mm. um that i knew of that yeah well that's mm. that's i have a lot more you. now yeah. <laughs> that i'm aware of now <laughs> but but the thing is you seemed your your growth i would say has been very consistent fairly mm. steady mm. um there's not been huge amounts of drama and mm. that's good mm. um and i really honor that in you um for me i think because my dad had left us you know just a few years before we met he'd walked out in our family I was I was in a place of huge grief, mm. not very trusting of people, mm. um, felt quite abandoned, still working through a lot of the pain that, that, that I'd felt with dad going in my own walk with God. And, and I'd become, I think with my dad going, I'd had to step into such a protective role of headship for my family mm. that I was a really driven person. Mm. And I know I used to come across as really driven, and mm -hmm. you saw that in me. I know that, and it was kind of off. It's hard for me to remember it actually yeah. now, but but it was it, it was kind of off putting, mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of people around me because mm -hmm. I felt kind of with my dad going, 
totally destabilized. Sure. And this thing of pressure upon me to kind of reestablish the stability of our family mm-hmm. um, and and so that we would never go through that kind of pain and torment again. Mm-hmm. And I was doing it from a place of human endeavor rather than from God's, you know, Isn't that um, interesting? God's restoration right, power. Right. So those first few years of our friendship, you were very gracious having us to stay when we'd be in Nashville and we had rich times with you guys. And you invited us over. You came over to Scotland. To and Scotland. Ministered. Yeah. 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 And uh, that was just an amazing time for us. It was mm. really the beginning of, of a real wonderful journey for mm. us. I think it was 2006 that we yes. went over or 2005. And yeah. uh, it was the second awakening event. It was. That yeah. you did. Yeah. So well, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, sure. Well, we we'd felt um, very strongly led to 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 launch these kind of multi denominational <laughs> Christian gatherings. So there so there were no denominational walls. Mm-hmm. It, it, anyone could come within God's family. Lots of church groups were invited, and we wanted to host these big outdoor celebrations to just enjo- enjoy God's presence. So we had a raft of speakers and worship leaders, and we brought Chrissy and you over to join our our, our worship. Uh, uh, roster mm-hmm. for the events and minister, which was great. And we had folks come like John and Nancy Ortberg came and Ruth Graham. Bruce Wilkinson. Bruce Wilkinson and Ruth Graham, Billy, mm-hmm. Billy's daughter, mm-hmm. to minister. And they came over to the UK and we did a mul- multiple events throughout the UK, which was a really rich time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would say that that all coincided with the the release of my third album. And by that stage, Jill and I were just burnt out. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we'd just given out so much that we didn't really have anything left to give. You, you had a lot of takers around you. Yeah, I would say uh, so. And, and you were just giving. And, and um, in some ways I, um, we were concerned, you yeah. know, I think after the second time we went over, yeah. I remember leaving feeling very concerned. Mm. And that's when I think after that final time, right, is when, because you had put out tens of thousands of pounds mm. of, 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 um, or maybe hundreds, I don't know how, how much you were, um, putting out for these events, mm. these, these awakening events, yeah. really trusting that God would, would, would bring the people mm-hmm. and then they, they would self-finance. Yeah, yeah, that they would self-finance yeah. themselves, and right. they didn't. They didn't, and that was a huge shock to us mm. because we knew so clearly God had said to do them. God even gave us the name Awakening. I remember mm. walking along Princess Street in Edinburgh uh, the Christmas before they started. Jill and I were with my mother, and the Lord just spoke to me very clearly, and he said, these events are to be called Awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was speaking very <clears throat> clearly, and, and that's often how I hear from the Lord. I mean, I often hear a very audible voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of prophetic dreams as well. And Jill often gets pictures when she's praying. We hear things of God's heart a lot through worship. But I, I get those moments with him that are very, very clear and often very detailed, which is a real blessing. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of the things I admire about you is that you you have the this ability to hear from God and, and listen. And I think, again, that's from constant um, 
practice or yeah, and pressing into pressing his in. heart and, yeah. and, 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 and letting go of self, you know, mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of self to let go of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, and the more you let go of self and the more that you're filled with him, the easier it becomes to hear him. I kind of compare it to, let's take you and Chrissy, you mm-hmm. know, you've been married for some years. If Chrissy called to you from the garden and you're up in the living room, you don't have to be facing her or looking at her physically in the garden from where you're standing in order to recognize that's her voice. Right. You know it's her voice through time spent in intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with God. Mm. You know, we recognize his voice through time spent in intimate relationship with right. him. Right. Um, and that's that's why it, it, it becomes more and more and more natural. So when we had this word awakening and this vision for what these events should be god said to us now i want you to start learning to do things that are kingdom class don't try to be world class aim to be kingdom class and we thought that was an incredible word Mm. and we sort of unpacked that what does that mean lord and really ostensibly for us it meant you know Moving against the culture that often just gives God the residue of our lives or Mm -hmm. the dross or the detritus Mm -hmm. and actually giving him our first fruits in everything, Mm -hmm. giving him the best of what we have to give. I mean, Jesus is king of kings. He is majesty. Mm -hmm. You know, he is our redeemer. He is our savior. Were it not for him. You know, we would we would be bankrupt morally, spiritually, and in every other way. The only reason that we live and breathe and have our being is because of Him. Mm. And 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 for too long, as Christians and within Christendom, we've kind of given God this fairly paltry excuse, you know, of, of whether it's our resources or, or our time or our attention. I mean, for goodness' sake, let's get this into perspective. You know, he he has thrown galaxies into place that man will never see or ever explore this side of eternity. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just that vast, that powerful, that all-knowing. And I think that when he said to us, you know, learn to be kingdom class, not world class, it started to develop in us an understanding and a realization of the fact that in everything that we try to do, we want to, we have to try to honor him with our best. And our best is never going to be perfect. Mm. But the, 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 the posture of our heart is such that it would be our, our best. Mm-hmm. Um, so for these events, we wanted to make sure everyone experienced the best facilities right across the board for these day-long events. And yeah, that cost tens of thousands of pounds to provide. And yes, we did hope and pray uh, that, that that would all be covered through ticket sales. And whilst we got tens, we got thousands of people there, the costs weren't being covered. Mm. And at the time, that was a real challenge for Jill and I. Mm-hmm. But we also eventually learned that that was something God was using us to teach us some fairly fundamental lessons. Mm. What were they? What were the things that you learned in the process of, of stepping out, believing that you were to do things kingdom class. I mean, I know what it's like to put together events yeah. and the risks involved in that and mm. the sleepless nights and the, the stress. Yeah. Um, you know, we could probably comparatively say, you know, we, I was out $250,000 potentially yeah. Yeah. if people didn't show up. Yeah. And, uh, and here you are putting together a kingdom class, not just world class. I was putting together a world class event. You were putting together a kingdom class event, which is a completely different standard, Mm. um, even in the world's eyes. So what, what did you learn from the process of when, when it didn't, were you angry? 
Yeah, Edgar. we felt angry, we felt rejected, we felt confused. It was hard to deal with the sense of bitterness, a, sen- a profound sense of failure. Mm. What have we got wrong, Father? We we know we heard from you. How have we? How has this? It felt like such a collapse. Um, I, I, one of the fundamental things we learned is that um, the world doesn't collapse. Mm. You know, the sky does not come crashing down. God has not changed. Um, the the storm that you have authority over is a storm that you can sleep through. Mm. And um, as we started to find our rest in Him, um, one of the things that we learned was that, um, you know, we see things through a very narrow lens. God has a panoramic view of things. Um, he is not bound by time the way we are. He can bend the arc of time the way we can't. So what feels disastrous on any given day is often one of the jewels that he is taking time to sow into the very foundations of your lives so that the building that he's ultimately creating can stand on something solid. For us, um, our human perspective was small and narrow and we thought okay we'll put these events on people will have an amazing experience hopefully some people will come to christ all of the financial needs will be covered boom mm. on to the next one mm. and that was never what that was never god's plan mm. that was sort of my silly little human plan mm-hmm. that i was hoping would happen <laughs> and then god would bless mm-hmm. and what we've learned is that god's often going um hello i'm actually standing over here with my plan and i'm asking you to come and join me cuz i will bless my you know my plan instead of us humanly going we're over here running ahead trying to do our thing trying to tack on heaven's blessing so you didn't miss his plan when he told you you're to do this Mm. these events Mm. this was all part of god's plan did you feel like you got ahead of him or just did things differently i would say that that's one of our greatest um failings as humans is that we so often run ahead Mm -hmm. which is ironic because we'll never outrun god we'll never outdream god but we do often run off at tangents because we don't maybe press in long enough to get the full picture. We get a little sense of something, go, right, we've got it. Let's launch That's what it. I Let's do. birth it. Mm-hmm. I have 10 new visions today. Let's go. And actually, <laughs> you know, what's the rush? Right. God's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we learned that we don't have to strive for victory. We get to live from a place of victory. There's a subtle but profound difference. We don't have to reach for eternity. We get to live from a place of eternity. Mm. So this whole thing that we can get into as humans of grabbing time and it's bang, 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 bang. We're double busy, double busy. Why? <laughs> Is that going on in heaven right now? No. Mm. Um, so if I, if I want to start to look more like my father, reflect more of the qualities and the characteristics of Jesus, I have got to get a hold of this stuff. Mm. And so that, that drivenness in me, that pushing and pushing and often sort of humanly engineering circumstances that I earnestly wanted to be blessed actually sometimes ended up with me skewing things that God had asked me to do in his name and ended up causing me to suffer Mm. but this was partly the the vehicle that god was using to bring about a much much deeper level of transformation in jill and i Mm. so in a nutshell our hearts are a hundred percent after the things of god in and they were in that era as well but the expression of that was still quite human at times Mm. it was still quite Mm self-driven and that's what god started to really change in us and and in amongst that whole period whilst being with Kingsway Records and thinking this is a really great, stable, a safe base, mm-hmm. um, a, a, a very well-renowned and trusted record company. Um, 
we just found that there wasn't the the sort of fruit that we'd hoped for um and 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 a sort of internal collapse was becoming imminent uh, mm-hmm. in that company in that organization sadly mm-hmm. and that was obviously having negative ramifications for the rest of us this was 2008 yeah around that time mm-hmm. six seven and eight and my my album with them uh didn't go where i was hoping it would go um and so the the attention if you like the investment from them that i'd hoped for wasn't happening um and god spoke very profoundly to jill and i and he said I want you to step out of this for a season, mm-hmm. which was really kind of shocking because we'd been in that for about five or six years by that stage. Yeah. It's all um, you knew in your it's marriage. All, it's, all, it's all we knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we didn't know what to do next. And then God just spoke to us and he said, I want you to home build. Mm. It, was very, <laughs> it was very, very clear. He said, I want you to home build. Yeah. So we knew that we were to, to start to renovate properties and to build properties. And that led us on to the next chapter. It's amazing. Mm. Um, yeah. Did you talk about that in detail on the Brave Worship podcast, your whole story with the castle and, yes, and all of that? We did. Okay. So yeah. we'll, we'll touch on it here, I'm sure. But, um, but if, you, if you have a chance, you should listen to the Brave Worship podcast. It's an interview with that Chrissy and Mary Beth, my, my wife and my sister-in-law did with uh, Andrew and Jill together. Um, that, uh, is, is amazing. It's an amazing story. Um, what, uh, what God did, uh, from taking you from, um, so much, uh, you know, just a sense of, 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 um, I don't know, loss and failure, loss really. and lack so, yeah. and the sense of whatever it was. You've and, got it with the word lack. Yeah. That was a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. To into the abundance of, of him. Yeah. And to yeah. the abundance of him to eventually, and, and to see it come to pass in a very physical way, because the first event we did with you when you invited me was on the grounds of Carberry Tower. Yeah. Um, you should look at, look this up if you have a chance, audience, Carberry Tower, C-A-R-B-E-R-R-Y com. you'll see what it looks like now in 2005 we did that event with you there you didn't you you were living i think on the grounds or nearby and um uh we got the privilege to stay in the in the castle um but uh you rented it uh out for the event to the point now where you now own it we do. And that's been one of the most <laughs> staggering and profound aspects of our journey in the last few years. That, yeah. um, that, uh, that estate is now, is now ours. And God had spoken to Jill and I a few years ago about the owning it was part of our destiny. So mm-hmm. yes, I, as you say to folks listening, if they listen to that, uh, that interview from the other night, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll hear more of the full story, but it's been a, a, a profound thing for us, uh, to now own that. And, but it's not even an ownership that is self it's it, it was always something that was set a, set apart for you the way that it came together and you were able to to now you're stewarding not just a castle but a staff of 60 yes. people or so right mm-hmm. um you have you basically run it as a hotel or yeah it's run as a really nice kind of luxury high end destination mm-hmm. um we had about 20,000 visitors last year and we did over 50 weddings mm-hmm. um we do corporate events um there there can be tv and filming things going on it goes back to 1480 mm-hmm. it used to be owned by the queen mother's sister um, and when we when we got married, we lived in a cottage on the estate, 
And God said to us one night when I was out praying about midnight, we rented that cottage and mm. God said to me, this cottage is my wedding gift to you mm. and Jill, mm. which is a beautiful story. And um, we ended up uh, owning that cottage and going back to what I said a few minutes ago about home building, that was the first cottage we renovated. Mm. Um, we thought we would live in it for maybe 10 years or so as a beautiful spot. And we started to renovate it. And a year later, God said, and now I want you to move house. Yeah. Um, so we moved house and we sort of gather, ingathered this resource from the renovation. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd bought the cottage for £165,000. A year later, sold it for three hundred and eighty. Yeah, And that was the first thing God started to use to sort of balance the deficit of what we had poured in mm-hmm. through all the awakening conferences, which a bit like you, Eric, was about £250,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to clear the decks. And we took the remaining profit from that. And because God had said we were then to start home building, we put it into another house that we could also renovate and restore uh, and then sell again. And the same thing happened again. And by Mm. that stage, we'd cleared off all the old residue. The thing that I find is that our callings are primarily used as the as the as the key vehicle for our own transformation. Mm. We can run ahead and think, "Oh, we're all so important. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing this for the kingdom. We're vital, and you know, we're irreplaceable." And blah blah blah. The fact is, you know, God can do anything, and He could do all of it Himself if if He wanted. He uh, He chooses to allow us to work in partnership with Him, which is an immense privilege. Mm. Um, and actually, really, the things that He calls us to are the th- are the things that will often challenge us the most. Most, reveal those lumpy things more than other areas of life would, show our weaknesses and areas of fragility so that he can highlight those things through his love and his Holy Spirit and work on them to bring about our increased transformation and change. And, you know, I think growing pains are called growing pains because it does hurt. Mm-hmm. But when we agree with God to grow in him, so, you know what, Lord, I am, I am in pursuit of wholeness. Mm. And that means letting go of brokenness. Mm. So I want you to work on those broken areas of me and bring about deep restoration, whether it's generational traits, whether it's issues in my own character, whether it's issues in my own nature that are needing fixed, whatever it is, mm. I want more of you and less of me, and I'm going to pursue that. God will take us at our at our word, and mm. invariably he uses the works that we are involved in to maximize those opportunities for personal growth. You know, there's a wise word that says our circumstances don't cause our heart issues, they simply reveal them, mm. which is really profound. Mm-hmm. Um, circumstances do reveal our heart issues. Mm. The awakening journey revealed a lot of mine. Being in the music industry up to 2007 revealed a lot of mine. I I would have said I was a really, really secure kid. You know, Mm. I was very confident in who I am and everything else. And then then going into the music industry, I started to feel quite insecure or inadequate or fragile in places. Because God was calling you when you're following his call. It naturally leads to insecurity. Because you, you, you're aware of your own lack. Mm-hmm. And in being aware of it, you've got two options to either focus in on your own lack, which will just make the feelings of an inadequacy worse, mm-hmm. or to run into the abundance of God. Mm-hmm. And stupidly, I got kind of focused on my own lack for mm-hmm. about those first five or six years. Yeah. And as God took us into the property development thing, which which we had to really press into him about, to understand, to learn really 
five new languages, it felt like, in terms of trades languages and an understanding of planning and design and execution and whatnot, marketing and everything else. We had no choice but to rely on him and press into it because we had nothing. Um, and as we did that, he started to say to us, I, I am taking you on a very specific journey. It is a journey from lack to abundance. Mm. And it's going to take some time because we, come, we, we become very mentally and intellectually institutionalized as to how we see things and view things. And God's really got to unpick all of that through his Holy Spirit um, so that our minds can be renewed, mm. so that we can take on more of the mind of Christ. You know, he says in Timothy, I do not give you a spirit of, of confusion, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Mm-hmm. And we can feel a lot of confusion at times, yet his will for us is love, power, and a sound mind. Mm. Well, I'd rather have a sound mind, and I'm sure everyone listening would too, mm. to make wise, Christ-centered, kingdom-based decisions that are... Um, that are going to have a lasting impact instead of running around chasing my own agendas in circles. Mm. So that's what he started to do with us from sort of 2007. We started to just get incredible inpouring from him of information, of revelation, of, of new wisdom, if you like, that mm. caused a huge paradigm shift in our Christian walk because within that journey from lack to abundance was the journey of servanthood to sonship. Mm. You were doing performance and you were doing serving for him. Mm. And what he wanted was you. Yeah. Just wanted you. It felt like it had all become very works oriented, Mm -hmm. very task oriented. Mm -hmm. And we again fall into that trap, don't we? As humans. All the time. I mean, we can just make lists for ourselves, Mm -hmm. can't we? I catch myself constantly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We can be at it all day long. There's no let up. There's no, there's no rest. Mm -hmm. And yet real fruitfulness comes from restfulness. Mm -hmm. And that's a discipline of the mind and the heart and the spirit. Yeah. Because your heart might be restful, but your mind could be going 90 to the dozen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about, it's a, it's about determining within your whole your whole self, your whole man, your whole woman, right? I'm going to rest within my whole self, not just mm. my mind, but be physically active or mm. not just my spirit, but be mentally active. But restfulness comes, fruitfulness comes from restfulness. So in amongst that process, servanthood to sonship, we are busy letting go of all of these old traits of human endeavor, human engineering, trying to make it happen, mm. you know, trying to get breaks or work the room or all that stuff. Even as I say it now, I think, how on earth did we used to live like that? That's crazy. <laughs> but we did. Well, it all came crashing down for you. It didn't it, work for you. It, it didn't work. No, it doesn't work right. for anyone. It, it doesn't. Mm. It, it's just an awful lot of human endeavor with very little consequence long term. Tell me uh, about some of the resources and things that began to... The, came that came into your life was it talks was it church was it messages you you heard from someone was it something you read uh was what 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 was your what changed for you and how you practiced how you how did you live that out how did you because you were probably you must have been doing something different or maybe you were listening to a different voice or What what was it that changed? I think that I would say that you cannot do Christian growth by proxy. Mm. In other words, you cannot rely on someone else to do the growing for you. Mm. 
that real growth starts with yourself, mm. uh, getting closer to God and, and agreeing with him that that's what you want. Mm. Um, it's great to hear a good message. It's great to hear um, a good talk. It's fantastic to pick up a good kingdom book or listen to a great album and be ministered to by that. But ultimately, that person who was talking or who wrote the book or who has sung the song, it cannot do your growth for you. Mm. So when I say you cannot do your growth by proxy, you can't, someone else cannot do it for you have to do it yourself and as you start to do it yourself i would say then taking in resources and from other sources is is great but it starts with that determination within yourself this is what i need this is what i have to do there's only one way to go here either up or out Mm -hmm. you know and we chose up so we we started going on these long prayer walks for for everyone it will be different mm-hmm. but for us for you and jill it involved that it was prayer walking yeah and just talking praying um allowing god to speak to you and how long were these walks was this a daily thing that you no, did we would go once or twice a week mm-hmm. there was an old disused railway track that the tracks had been taken away and had been turned into a kind of yeah trail a hiking mm-hmm. trail mm-hmm. about eight miles long so still so peaceful no traffic and we would just go off walking in the morning or later in the evening. And we would maybe do four or five or six miles, mm-hmm. um, sometimes eight miles, and just cry out to God and just mm. talk to him. Um, and we walked hundreds and hundreds of miles overall huh. through that season. Um, such a rich time. And sometimes I'd just go out to my own eight or nine o'clock at night and I'd do the full eight miles. <laughs> and sometimes I'd walk it, sometimes I'd run it because it was almost like an expression of what was going on in my spirit. Yeah. But sometimes I just needed to pound it and run or sprint. Mm-hmm. Ang- just yeah, call it, whatever you were sensing in whatever your spirit, anger or whatever or frustration, emotion, frustration. Or a need to break through mm-hmm. or a need, a need to push through to mm-hmm. an, a new level of closeness with God mm-hmm. um, and let go of my old self. Um, I realized, you know, as you know, as we've talked about, Eric, things don't stay dead around Jesus for very long. Mm-hmm. We have what I would call the old dead self. Yeah. And it's like dragging around a corpse. And you know what happens, you know, in ancient times of torture, people who were sentenced to prison would often just be tied up to a corpse, knowing that the corpse would end up rotting them and they would die. It was a horrible, awful, yeah. slow way to die. It's actually pretty horrendous. part of what is referred to. I think it's in Galatians or... One of the verse, either Ephesians or Galatians, where yeah. that is referenced. Yes, that yeah, absolutely. dead flesh. Yes, and our dead mm. flesh, our old self. Let's call it our our old self, mm. full of all those untransformed parts of us that God is really desperate to get His hands on if mm. we'll let Him. Um, cannot stay dead around Jesus. Mm. So the more time spent in his presence, the more we will be radically transformed. Mm. So the prayer walk started to really do that for Jill and I. Hmm. So, um, it's very simple. I think sometimes people make it so much more, or they think it has to be so much more complicated. I was listening to something today, um, and it reminded me that there is just something, um, about the mundane that, um, doesn't seem very appealing to do, but that's very mundane. Like I, I wish there was something sexier than that, but it's not. It's it. People want, and, and I think in our culture, in our instantaneous culture, we want quick, quick. We want an instant change. Yeah. But very much, 
you know, I just don't believe, I think it has to be from a, from a consistent pressing in. Well, and I think the thing as well, as you say, it's, if you felt like going and talking to Chrissy was a chore, Mm -hmm. then that would say something pretty fundamentally awful about, you know, your relationship. Right. Whereas the reality is you love to go and talk to Chrissy. Mm -hmm. You love to spend time in her company. You know, you love to be with her. So apply that to our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. If we think going and hanging out with him and talking to him is boring and a chore, Mm -hmm. then there's something missing in that relationship, right? Right. So I would say, be honest about that. You know, what we've found through all that stuff we've lived through is God's shoulders are exceptionally broad. Mm. His shoulders are broad enough to cope with the full extent of our human experience. There's nothing that we will ever go through that will take him by surprise, Mm. all right? So if you're feeling raw, if you're feeling bored, if you're feeling like your relationship with him is undynamic, tell him. Tell him. Tell him, and he will tell you what you need to do about that. Because I'll tell you this, the more you hear God, the more he moves miraculously in and through you, the more unbelievably exciting and dynamic your Christian life becomes. Mm -hmm. And you want that more and more and more. So you want to spend time with him more and more and more. Mm -hmm. You want to talk to him more and more and more. When your Christian life is kind of a bit sterile Mm -hmm. and you're coasting along in neutral Mm -hmm. and there's nothing of the miraculous happening, there's nothing in terms of fresh words of revelation or blueprints for life or new ideas or prophetic dreams or words of knowledge or pictures when you pray or whatever, then yeah, that's going to feel a little bit dull. Mm. But that but that is not the heart of God. Mm. Just look around you, look at one another and ask yourself, is he dull? Mm. Is the one that made all of this dull? We live in a world with stunning vistas, breathtaking views, the incredible creative power that exists just in one another, in the millions of cells that join together to create a human being and a heart and a spirit are staggeringly beautiful, Mm. immeasurably beautiful. You think that the one that created all of that has an ounce of dullness in him? Mm. Of course he doesn't. We can be very dull, however, you know, but he doesn't have any dullness in him. It's impossible. There is no dullness in the fullness of God's being. So, so, If you're looking for dynamism, if you're looking to engage with him in a way that feels daily, hourly, reality of his voice, of his words, of his heart for you, communicating the deep things of what he holds for you, to you, and spend time with him. Now, for some people, it might be that they really hear God when they're on the treadmill, Mm -hmm. you know, listening to, you know, MTV. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, um, for other people, they might need to sit quietly on a hillside and look out over an expanse of view. Other people might hear him a lot when they're swimming or driving in the car at the kitchen sink doing dishes or cooking. Great. That's fine. But find out what works for you. Mm -hmm. Because Jill and I are very visionary and we have a lot of dynamic things going on in our minds stillness was key for us Mm -hmm. right often Mm -hmm. it's the opposite to what you would humanly go and choose to do Mm -hmm. so walking and praying and just speaking to we we prayed audibly we didn't pray inwardly we spoke out loud we're on a walk the lord is with us how do i know that well he says we're two or more gathered i'm there so he's with us on this walk let's just talk to him Mm -hmm. and on the walk we started to really experience a tremendous new level of revelation and insight from heaven. And I think that was just because we finally got off the hamster wheel Hmm. and said, okay, God, it's got to be you. Mm -hmm. It's got to be you first. Hmm. What do you have to say? Yeah. Um, And he started to give us some amazing new foundational pillars for our lives that we now have built on. And they've just been sensational. Mm. 
It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think we, uh, there's so much that we can dive into. And I think what I would love to do is I would not only love to connect on Skype on a regular basis with you. And then occasionally, um, as it comes up, um, begin to talk about that and record it. Uh, for our courageous community more than happy to and um, privilege interact because there's there's so much that i hope to get into but i think this is more of an introduction to people um uh and one of the things that i'd hope to talk about and and maybe we can still talk about this is this idea of honor um i kind of want to leave it with with that to kind of culminate what we've been talking about. Probably the thing that impacted me the most on this trip. And every time you come over or every time we're over there, um, there's a theme. And for me it was a theme of honor. Um, something that, that, that I saw living as I saw how honor, um, made its manifested itself in, in my family's life. We were playing, I don't know if you know, realize this, but you had talked about honor and it really spoke to me. Um, and we were playing a game that you brought into for, with the boys and I, it was called revolution. Great. Game. So we were Go play- buy it. Yeah. <laughs> revolution a great is a great, great game. game. I, I can't wait to play it again. But, um, uh, what I sensed when I was playing the game was what was rising up in me was my competitive spirit. I sensed that my boys wanted to beat their dad and they began natural, to conspire together <laughs> to beat their dad. Yeah. Um, in the game and in the, the way it is, you can do that as a strategy. And as they were doing that, um, I had a choice to make and I was very, it was very clear for me right then. I had a choice to either go the route of thinking of myself and, uh, trying to fight it. And this is very similar to a choice I had to make when I was a sophomore in high school, when, um, I noticed that two boys were conspiring, to um to make fun of me and laugh at me and um uh i remember at that point feeling very insecure when i was it kind of brought me back to that high school time where you know they were kind of laughing at me and laughing at their dad and how they were conspiring and it it brought up a a wound in me that i I don't think i shared with Mm. you but it brought up an old kind of wound in me about you know how uh, my friends, I you know, were were not were not, um, you know, were, were kind of laughing at me mm. and sort of degrading Being me. A bit two faced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, and so that that touches a nerve for me. But I had a choice to make, and what I choice chose to do was I chose to honor the boys. Mm. I chose honor, and um, the result of that, there was no fight. There was no like separation of our relationship. I just, I love them. And I just said, boys, well done. Mm, you guys, mm. you guys kicked butt yeah. and you did it. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. And they conspired together to have Alex win and not Caden. So mm-hmm. it was, I was even just proud of them. And um, that was a small example of honor working its way in my, in my, in my relationship. Mm-hmm. So talk about honor okay. and, and how that came to be something that you've chosen to, to live and okay. apply in your life. 
Well, honoring people is directly connected to this, you know, the need to speak life over people. You know, the scriptures talk about how there's power of life and death in the tongue. Well, I'm not really interested in about the death bit. I'd be, mm. I'm far more passionately excited about the speaking life bit mm. of that word. Um, it's really easy in life and in our culture, which is a very blame riddled culture, a very cynical culture, increasingly separatist, increasingly isolated in terms of having good relationships and community to just blame people all the time. Uh, people vent constantly online. People bicker and slander and say awful things about one another or establishments or about institutions or government or the restaurant they just ate at last night. Our president does that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> It's not speaking life. Mm. And Christians do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really struck Jill and I that um, when we honor people, when we speak life over people, mm. it has to come out of our sonship in Jesus. Mm. We are royal children. Okay, we are royal sons and heirs. He is king of kings and we are his royal children. We are royal subjects. We are noble subjects. We don't speak about that too much, but that is the reality of our inheritance in Christ. Now, we don't arrive at birth knowing how to behave in relation to that. So in order to step into the fullness of that incredible spiritual heritage, we have to ask God to teach us what does it mean to be noble? What does it mean to walk in holiness? How does that affect my language, my speech, those hidden things in my heart? And when you ask God to teach you those things, he's always quick to respond and the Holy Spirit will do that. Well, we realized that often when things went wrong in life or things were really difficult, we'd always blame somebody. Mm. Oh, so-and-so didn't do this or so-and-so didn't come through on that or so-and-so didn't give any support with this or so-and-so wasn't engaged in that and or this person let us down or that. And we'd become quite – now, we hadn't realized that and it kind of hit us like a train. It was oh subtle. God. It was yeah. little bits at a time. Just constantly gnawing away at, mm. at things in your spirit. And when people hurt us – which happens a lot in life, let's be honest, we've all experienced relational hurts. We would just sort of level this blamefulness or this cynicism or this um, derogatory kind of language. It was always someone else's fault, never our own. Well, mm. that's a big red light right there because invariably it's always our own, mm. you know? <laughs> and actually the things that God wants to deal with at first are the things in us. Mm-hmm. And you have to trust that while he's dealing firstly with the things in you, he's also dealing firstly with the things in other people too. It's first both ways. It's first both ways. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh God, you're just dealing with me. What about that? No, he's like, no, I've got my hand on their lives. I'm working with them too, but let me deal with you. You know, mm-hmm. um, we started to realize that that was a very, it, that, that kind of language just doesn't bring life. It doesn't bestow life. It therefore doesn't bestow things of the heart of Jesus. It therefore isn't a reflection of Jesus. And that became something that we could no longer have. We didn't want that. We wanted to reflect Jesus. We wanted mm-hmm. to bring the life of Jesus through our hands, our feet, our words. So God said to us very clearly, engender a language of honor uh, within your mouth, which will develop a culture of honor in your heart. Mm. So we started to put that into practice. How, how do you do that, God? Well, you start to put it into practice. So the next time someone cuts you up at the lights, don't shout something about their bad driving. Just go, okay, Lord, I bless them. Chrissy's favorite I, phrase <laughs> is, is hobag. Hobag? What, what does that mean? I, lo- just, I love that. It's Ho-bag. not a nice word. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I, I like that. Though. I feel that should be an abbreviation for something. I could work on that. Um, the next time somebody um, 
you know, takes three times longer in the checkout queue at the supermarket because it seems like every single product they've picked doesn't have the price on it. And someone's constantly having to go walking off down the aisles to find the price of that particular cheese in aisle seven. And you're waiting, you're in a, you're not getting all huffy and all harassed. You're just, well, I bless this person, Lord. I just want to speak your blessing over them. And it, it you see, the thing is, all of this stuff ultimately takes the focus off us hmm. and puts it on God. Um, humility isn't thinking less of ourselves. It's just thinking of ourselves less. Mm. And as you develop a language of honor, what you find is that you also think of yourselves less, which breeds humility, which is good, and you think of God more. So all the situations that we would experience, everything that felt like it came against us or obstructed us or somehow tried to defy us, we would just start to speak honor over those situations and over those people. So going back to my, my father... My, my dad, who I mentioned earlier, you know, instead of feeling sort of hugely um, broken and angry and unforgiving about him, I just started to speak honor over his life and bless him. Mm-hmm. I just started to say, okay, Lord, I don't, I don't honor his choices. His choices were awful, you mm-hmm. know, but I, I honor him. There's mm-hmm. a difference. Um, I speak life over him. I speak blessing over his life. Um, let's say somebody had really done something obstructive to us in a business sense, for example, we would just start to declare blessing over their lives. Lord, I bless that person. I speak honor over their family. I declare that the light of Christ pours out over them, that, that through their connection with us, even if they're being belligerent, even if they're obstructing something, I'm going to declare as a royal son that my life actually influences their life in a good way because of the presence of Jesus working in me and through me. That's a choice, isn't it? It's a daily it's choice. It's a choice it's a, to make. It's and a minute-by-minute minute choice. Is it any easier than it now yes. that you've developed the practice? Absolutely. It becomes so natural um, in, in quite a short time. It's a, it's a case of shifting those old mindsets. Mm. And when anything happens to you that leaves you feeling um, degraded or uh, confused or anxious <clears throat> or, the, or eaten away at, you actually recognize that as a Christian, you get to, as the scriptures talk about how we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ, which means we are, we get to rule in a, and reign from a place of authority, which means we should never be on the back foot as Christians. Mm. God said to Jill and I, look, you need to understand you belong to the most powerful, the most influential, the most authoritative, and the most resourced family that will ever exist, his family. Mm. We are his children. Move out from that place of, of, of sonship and of, of, of kingship and of authority and let that flood your language. So you are never on the back foot. You don't have to be cynical. You don't have to be a victim. Because of what Jesus did, we get to live from a place of victory, mm. not from a place of victimization. Mm. The devil has a mission to rob and steal and destroy, you know, but Jesus has wasted the enemy and the enemy's forces, the gates of hell have not prevailed, will not prevail, cannot prevail. That work is done. Mm-hmm. We get, to, we are the inheritors of that great work. So living from a place where we speak life and bring honor means that um, we don't get offended by people's reactions to us. Invariably, we don't take that personally. We just use that as an opportunity to speak life over them mm. and move in the opposite spirit to how people often move. Mm. And we've just seen tremendous levels of breakthrough happening in our lives because of that. Tremendous growth, tremendous expansion and increased influence because honor attracts God's favor. Mm. 
God very clearly says in his word, he who honors me, I will honor. Mm. He always speaks life. Mm. He always speaks life. So when we speak life and we do it from a heart that honors, it attracts his favor. And mm. the, the level of favor that we then walk in grows exponentially. Uh, what I love about it is it's it's all it's it's just this constant source of uh, irony because we can, as human beings, be very prideful about that. That can be when you when you say, "I come from a very wealthy family. I come from a a well resourced family with the, the the great with with all of the the blessing and and favor that any family could have." That can lead you in your humanness to walk with pride, mm. but in actuality, it's it's about making the daily choice to surrender yeah. and walk in humility, yeah. which is thinking less, uh, not less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, yeah. which I, I, I talked about that on the Courage Cast already. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's good. It's so rich. And, and, and all of that has come through God's grace. Yeah. It's nothing that I have earned. Exactly. It's nothing that I could have earned. And that's why you can't be... You can't possibly pick it up and be prideful about it. And when you get a hold of that, what it does is it actually causes you to think less of yourself anyway, to think more on him and on mm-hmm. the things of him, mm-hmm. because you realize that is all from him. Yeah. It's all his goodness. It's all his grace. Everything he does for his children or for their greater good and further establishment, he wants us to be a prolific, fruitful, authoritative, impactful people upon mm-hmm. this earth. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants his children to be. We are the bride of Christ. Yeah. There are not meant to be half measures. Mm. God wants us to soar and take flight and go higher and go higher in the things of him. But it's his back that we're riding on, not our <laughs> own crazy flapping of wings. Right, right. You know, and that's the perspective that we've got to have, um, <laughs> that it's all him and none of me. Mm-hmm. It's all him and none of us. Mm. Um, for us, you know, it's true what Paul says, you know, to gain my life, I must lose it. And that's what we had. I, I, I called my third album, Take My Life Away. Mm. And it was after after that, that we started to go through this unbelievable desert. It's ironic because he did take your life did. away. That's what he did. He, he, the record label fell yeah. apart. Yeah. Your, your your finances were were probably in the lowest they Absolutely. were. All of it was it was a job experience. But it was it You're was right. it's amazing to see the way how faithful Father is. And, and it was good to he took it, it away because mm-hmm. it was all self. Yeah. And what we needed was for self to be replaced with him. Yeah. So I would recommend that journey to anyone listening. And if anyone is going through a desert experience, I'd say deserts are calm, are, are quiet places for a reason. You know, mm. you do tend to hear God more. The hustle and bustle isn't there. Mm. If anyone is feeling low in their spirits or needing encouragement, I would say that, you know, going back to what I said earlier, you, you know, you have authority through the storm that you can sleep through. Um, that God ultimately wants us to learn to sleep in the front of the boat in amongst mm. life's greatest challenges. Your greatest victory is often on the other side of your hardest test. Mm. You know, we've learned that too. And that there is purpose in the struggle. Mm. There are There is purpose in the test. Those are times of profound refinement if you give yourself of God for that purpose. And, and God moves, I think, in direct proportion to the amount of space we give him. Mm. If you give him a little, he'll move a little. If you mm. give him a lot, He'll move a lot. So Mm -hmm. I would say to everyone listening, give him a lot. You will come away with your hands and your hearts full to overflowing. Mm. I love it. Andrew Mitchell, 
Um, thank you. I could talk for many more hours, and I hope we have many more hours together with you on the microphone on we Skype. Will. And then when you come back, and we have a bridge, you know, now that uh, that the Amen. Lord has put together between us. Um, and um, so we'll be hearing more from from Andrew Mitchell. Andrew, how can people get a hold of you? I guess the best way we can find you is go to CarberryTower.com. Yes, absolutely. For now. Yeah. That's um, that's, uh, that's a great place to to check into. You're not on um, Facebook. No, we're not on Facebook because partly with our large staff, Carberry know, Tower is, but Carberry not you Tower personally. Is, it's mm-hmm. Facebook forward slash Carberry T capital T. Um, you can read all about the goings on there. It's uh, an amazing kingdom work. We're out in the marketplace doing things of what we're trying to do is you know real excellence kingdom values portrayed and permeated throughout every element of the company but very much reaching people and having them come and connect with the things of God's heart yeah we'll be backwards and forwards to the states much more regularly now as God establishes things here and uh, yes as you know Eric one of the things that he has been tapping us on the shoulder about over the last two years is to step back into worship and worship writing but very much with the new wine that he's mm-hmm. poured into us so we're doing that whilst Carberry Tower is operated and run by our team mm-hmm. uh, and we oversee that as directors so that's thrilling as well so yeah. I'm so looking forward to many many more times together on a much more regular basis and I really pray if I may God's rich blessings over everyone who listens in um that they would find new levels of breakthrough and personal transformation in their lives and walk with God that lead to increased levels of fruitfulness Mm. from an abundant place, but also from a place of rest Mm. and a place of knowing God uh, intimately because he is there to be known and he has created us to be in relationship with him. Mm. It's all very natural. It's not rocket science. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Andrew Mitchell, thank you so much. My buddy, my Thank brother, you, my brother, it's been um, as you've, always. yeah, it's been great. Um, and, uh, we'll be back again, uh, with more with Andrew, I'm sure in the future for now, everyone listening, um, go ahead and, uh, share and talk about this in the courageous community. You can do that right there on facebook.com slash courageous community. Um, that's a, that's the place where we interact with one another. Uh, if you liked what you heard, uh, share about it and talk about it. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. That's the best way to do it. Um, and you can share this episode on the public Courage Cast or the public Courageous Community page. And that's very simply facebook.com slash the Courageous Community. And you'll find this post with Andrew Mitchell. I'm sure there'll be a big picture of a castle of the Carberry Tower uh, <laughs> that you'll recognize and uh, and share this with your friends and family and anybody that you feel needs to hear this message. Um, Well, that's it for me, friends. I'm Eric Nordoff, along with Andrew Mitchell. We wish you the best day in God possible.